This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, You ready to shock the world? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Oh, boy. Lee Zeldin can do it. We can stop the insanity, and we will see real-world, almost immediate effects. Immediate effects. And sanity will have won. For the first time in a long time, right? This has been sickening, all of it. Lee Zeldin can beat Kathy Hochul. Lee Zeldin can do it. New Yorkers are smart. They're tough. And, uh, you know, even the Democrats out there can smell an empty suit or an empty skirt, as it were, uh, with this Kathy Hochul thing. Hey, still no debate on the schedule. Still no debate, right? Yet Kathy made this promise right when she became governor, all right? She was going to do this. Are you ready? For you and me, Kathy Hochul. Tough girl, huh? Cut 29. And the promise I make to all New Yorkers... Right here and right now. I will fight like hell for you every single day. Like I've always done and always will. Uh, Except uh, right now, when we desperately need help. When we desperately need a solution to this crime problem, right? No, she's going to cut ribbons. She's going to wave from a safe distance. Spend a lot of time in that big house, the mansion, and the beauty parlor. Uh, just uh, and wearing that jacket and pretending you're the governor. You're not. This is not automatic. This is not a done deal. Lee Zeldin can do this, and he deserves it, damn it. Cut 28. I'm working as hard as I possibly can to do my part to save the state. Kathy Hochul's barely working to try to save Kathy Hochul. <laughs> I love it. I love it. He's really coming into his own here. He's feeling it. He's good. There's an aura about him. He can win. He can win. You know, it's also, it's great. You know, I, I know a lot of folks uh, listen to this show, live outside the city. This is up to you. This is up to all of us, right? You know, why do I mention that? You know, sometimes you can't vote for the mayor. You, right? you couldn't vote for Curtis, but you can vote for Lee Zeldin. And you know what else we can do? We can pressure Kathy, or at least call her out, on being a total... Uh, was not a fighter, not that tough girl fighter, right? I'm going to fight every day. They just say it. They just, like Joe, it just sounds good in the moment. Why not? Yeah, I'm going to fight for you. They never know what, they don't know what, they have no intention of fighting for anybody but themselves and her husband. So there's no debate. No debate. I is Where's the Channel 2 debate? They do a very good job. Uh, Maurice Dubois. He's actually excellent at moderating debates. It's a no-kidding showdown. You know who's terrible at it? Channel 4. We've all heard your campaign speeches. Now tell us what you're going to do in 60 seconds. Well, speak for yourself. I haven't I haven't heard the campaign speech. I want to hear from the candidates. Why are you telling? We've already seen the commercials, and you're telling them to talk in a commercial. Anyway, Channel 2 is pretty good when it comes to debates. We need the debate. We need it on a normal channel that everybody can see. I think that's kind of should be a law, by the way. 
And the fake news, you're always telling us how important, uh, oh, how, how delicate democracy is. And it's just barely hanging on, right? And what can help a democracy, according to you guys? The big, great debate, cut 25. This debate is important. It's part of our democracy. I think having this debate is really important. Our democracy is the most important thing that we need to fight for. This is such an important part of our democracy. We're talking about voting, and we hope this debate has helped you become a more informed voter. It is my honor to moderate this debate, an important part of our democracy. (laughs) Wow. Sounds like it's hugely important. So why isn't the mainstream media pressuring Kathy Hochul? This should be... They should be badgering her every single day. Where the hell are you? Come out. Come out, tough girl. What was that again? Where was she? What did she say she could do? And the promise I make to all New Yorkers, right here and right now, I will fight like hell for you every single day. Wow. Like I've always done and always will. Yeah, right. Sure, sure. At the beauty parlor, at Nordstrom's. At Neiman Marcus, I can tell. I see that silly commercial. She's, they make a classic mistake. I mean, even the rich people know to dress down for those commercials. You don't wear Gucci. You don't wear whatever the hell it is. I don't know what the names are for the women's brands. Uh, St. John, isn't that one of the names they like? Uh, Ann Taylor, Ann Klein. Uh, try going to Target. Just uh, just wear something simple. But no, it's she's too quaffed. And she looks like she's talking in a palace or something like that. So she's going to lose if we're serious about this, if we get out and do this. Now, I got to tell you, other Democrats, now they're probably all going to go down. I think it's going to be a spectacular uh, moment. You know, the New York Times today has a story. Let's see here. uh, A poll. 45% of the people, according to the New York Times, plan to vote Republican. 40% of the people plan to vote Democrat. You know, how that's... That's not news to me, but that the New York Times would write it and publish it this close to the election. Well, they've been saying the opposite for a long time. You heard all summer long. You know, there's a strategy. There's a path for the uh, Democrats to maintain control of the House. They can increase their lead in the Senate. All this stuff. Um, Well, they're about to be shown, revealed as liars, and they're hoping you forget all that. And they want you to remember the last thing they wrote. This kind of crap. Although this is not crap, finally. This is the real deal, we believe. <sighs> so, um, oh, these debates can get kind of tough, but I got to hand it to certain Democrats. Uh, I would never vote for them, but, um, you know, <laughs> what's his name? Um, uh, Warnock, he showed up for the debate. Uh, who else did? Um, hmm. Oh, uh, that guy, Tim Ryan, he showed up for the debate against uh, J.D. Vance. Now, they both got beat, especially, by the way, you know, who's really great is Herschel Walker. I'm so glad that it looks like he's going to win this thing because they show up and they're always giving him a hard time. Now, here here they pinned him down on uh, say something that Joe Biden did well. All right. And the reporter's really pressuring him. Herschel Walker handles it perfectly. Ready for this? This is the lead story the other night on NBC Nightly News. Cut 53. And we pressed Walker. Can he work with so Democrats? Can you name one thing that President Biden has done that you support. One thing that he's done that I support. Mm. <sighs> he eat a lot of ice cream. Take a minute and think about oh, it. Is geez. there one uh, thing? It's going to be a while. Well, you know, I agree with one thing, but he didn't do it. When he said he'll be a unifier. 
we saw that he wasn't that. He called uh, the opposite side names. Wow, that's a perfect answer. <laughs> and they wouldn't. Part of the story, it was all framed of like, look at, listen to what this guy sounds like. He doesn't sound like a senator, right? Well, probably he doesn't sound like most senators. So what? We agree with what he's saying. The substance is great. Yeah. I mean, did he come good? Did he go to Oxford? No. Who cares? Who cares? You guys do in the fake news. You're just appalled by him. You're appalled. Um, I love the guy. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, wait a second. Oh, this is the call I made to the White House yesterday. You want to hear this? I forgot about this. I called the White House. I was actually trying to get Joe Biden to come on the show. And sometimes uh, you just got to go right to the top, you know? What the hell? Uh, Here's the actual call I made to the White House. Cut 52, please. Quality and training purposes, this call may be monitored, but will not be recorded. <laughs> That's what you think. What else? Hi, is there any way I could speak to President Biden, please? You would have to submit a request in writing. Hmm. Can I leave a message? You would have to give a ring back tomorrow when the message office is available. Oh, what time is it open? 11 a.m. till 3 p.m. Eastern time. Four hours? Four hours? What, what happened at 9 to 5? Hello? Moment for the information. What? Did they hang up? Thank you for calling. The White House hung up. Well, I tried. What about that, huh? 11 to 3? Who runs that office? 11 a.m. to 3 p.m.? Uh, I also called, uh, where's my Mitt Romney phone call? I, <laughs> I gave him a hard time, too. Well, uh, I'll see if I, oh, I, I guess I didn't leave my number. Um, uh, let's see, it's almost, uh, what time is it now? I guess I could call now. Should we call now and leave a comment? Nah. And maybe we will. Uh, maybe we will. Hey, in the meantime, you hear everyone is totally losing their minds over these uh, Bob Woodward tapes. Um, <laughs> Bob Woodward is a bit of a fraud. I, I read his books. They're somewhat entertaining. I buy every time a book comes out. What I really like doing is refuting it. All right. Now, I know this. Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein made up a whole bunch of stuff in their most famous book, All the President's Men. They absolutely, positively did. They made up Deep Throat. They made up the way they contacted him, the way they he contacted them. All of it is a phony makeup job. I've actually been to the apartment where they said um, where they said Woodward was living and receiving signals from Deep Throat, who they later claimed was a guy named Mark Felt who worked at the FBI. Um, knowing what we know now, we know they were lying. We also know that they never thought they would get caught because, look, what did they know? They were just two reporters uh, in Washington who got a book deal. Okay, they didn't know that that silly book would go down in history and would be read at uh, panels all over the country and be considered a classic and, you know, required reading for journalism students. They had no idea. They were just out for a quick buck. And they were like, "Mm." (laughs) it was like successful, literally beyond their wildest dreams. And two years later, Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford are playing them in the movie. 
So, like, the career takes off a little bit like it gets way ahead of them. They're not ready for uh, this kind of scrutiny. And back then in the 70s, you could avoid the scrutiny, actually. You could get away with it. You didn't have the Internet. You didn't have a bunch of sleuths, tens of millions of them all over the country, ready, who know as much, more than those guys. The people do. The people are great. The people are totally great. So Bob Woodward uh, was very selective and crafty with the interviews that he did with President Trump two years ago. Remember, he, le- he let him out in little, 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 little clips, eight seconds here, 12 seconds there. He said he had hours and hours of tapes. Well, now he's going to let them all come out. And CNN has the exclusive. Are you ready for this? Okay, it's going to blow you away, some of the stuff that they're saying about Donald Trump and what Donald Trump says about himself. The, the, the reporter here is horrified. It's the lady, I, don't, I never heard of her before, but um, Janet, somebody, cut 28, please. I'm working as hard. No, 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 no. Oh, cut 48, sorry, 48, 48. This is Donald Trump unvarnished, profane, blunt, uh, he trashes people he doesn't like. He boasts about himself. And he shares with Woodward documents that you can be sure his national security advisors, their heads were exploding. How does she know that? And by the way, trashes people he doesn't like, boasts about himself. Does this is this earth-shattering information? He does it in front of 10 million people. Oh, we got to go. All right, I'll play the... I'll play the content of these tapes, these smoking gun tapes. Uh, they're treating it like this is um, like this is the, the, the missing 18 seconds from the Nixon. It's not. It's amusing, but it's not what they say. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, man. I am good at Twitter. I am very good at Twitter. I got something going here. At Greg Kelly USA. At Greg Kelly USA. Uh, have you seen the tense situation on Randall's Island? All right. We have gone, gone totally overboard. I have seen tents like this before. I've actually had access to tents like this before. Uh, these tents are basically like what they put up at political conventions or they erect them for the military overseas not in an expeditionary sense, but like a big, almost semi-permanent base, like one in Kuwait. Not when you're under direct fire, but when you're in relative safety. They give you all this stuff, all buffets, game rooms, uh, flat screen TVs, telephones, free phones, just pick it up and dial. Uh, incredible luxuries at this facility for the these aren't homeless people, I guess. These are the the immigrants that they shipped up from Texas, right? And uh, the city has gone totally overboard. But here's what's going down. I know it. I gotta start, and I gotta we gotta find out. Now, number one, somebody's getting rich from this. Somebody is definitely getting rich. Um, and look closely at Eric Adams's friends. Okay, just he doesn't know. He he's never been at this level, so he doesn't know that. You know, there are rules and laws and regulations, and you just can't give this stuff. I have a feeling somebody is making money who shouldn't be making money. This arrangement is ludicrous. It's totally over the top. Uh, You know, why is he doing this? Uh, More attention. Uh, The immigration issue is hot nationally, so he keeps showing up. I guarantee you he'll be on the Sunday shows. There's a good chance he'll be on the Sunday shows. 
talking about what we're doing here in New York is uh, no, that's not a good Eric Adams impression. Let me, but he'll be bragging about what we're doing here in New York and getting credit. Um, This is just before they all go down in the midterms. I did stay in this. Where have I been in one in Kuwait and also in Iraq in like 2005. I remember being in Iraq in a war zone and getting a pastry chef, um, custom-made pastries and ice cream sundaes and all that stuff. It was just unbelievable. I bought my very first iPod. Remember iPods before iPhones? At a PX in Tikrit, Iraq, Saddam Hussein's hometown. They had the iPod Mini. It was a new thing, and they had all different colors. And I bought one in Iraq at a PX. It was just, I never had it so good. It was dirt cheap, and the food was free. Um, and that's the kind of thing they got going on for these uh, these migrants. Um, something very fishy about the whole arrangement. Oh, by the way, the people in the neighborhood up there, I mean, who lives on Randall's Island? Nobody. But right across the uh, way there, they got the footbridge, right? And they got all kinds of bridges. Randall's Island is a complex place. It's got like Randall's Island, Ward's Island. Um, and it's got that pedestrian bridge that goes up sometimes. They have those big concerts over there. And I think that's where Robert Moses had his office. Other than that, I have no idea what's going on over there. Um, but now we've got thousands of uh, newly arrived immigrants. And Eric did talk a big game about what a sanctuary city we will be. Uh, he talked a big game about a lot of things, didn't he? Cut um, 33. These hands have seen rough times, and I've got the calluses to prove it. Growing up, my parents struggled. I was beaten by police at 15, so I became a police officer to battle racism from within. As Brooklyn Ball president, I worked around the clock to fight against COVID. I'm Eric Adams. I'll be a blue-collar mayor. I'll rebuild our economy while tackling violent crime and bring New York back. Tackling violent crime. How's that going? Tackling violent crime. I heard he was told he had a plan. Does he look like a blue-collar mayor? I'll tell you this. He was wearing a, a one shiny blue suit the other day with a double-vested vest. And he has those mirror sunglasses. He looks like a uh, a mogul. He looks like a music industry mogul. This is not a blue-collar guy. This is a dummy and a narcissist. We are in trouble. Give me a moment. I'll have those Trump tapes. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory— Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, uh, it's great that it's getting cold Uh, today. I'm wearing a great big thick sweater. And it goes all the way up. It's almost like a turtleneck. I guess, what is it, a mock turtleneck? And um, it covers up your trouble regions, you know what I mean? And it kind of gives you a bit of a pensive, thoughtful, intellectual air, slightly. And uh, I like, you know who wears these a lot? Sid Rosenberg, of all people. And you know what? Uh, That guy knows clothes. And there's a big picture of him down the hall. And I'm like, what is it about that picture? He really does look good in this picture. And I realize 
I mean, sure, he's fit and all that stuff, but it's the shirt. It the shirt somehow makes him look like a, you know. He, I'm not saying he's not a serious man, but he looks extra serious, extra substantial. Hey, clothes matter. What did Tom Wolf call it? Call it sartorial armor. Although, whatever. You know what we like? Spiritual armor. It's true. You can put on spiritual armor. Uh, hey, Joe Biden is talking. Do we want to hear this? Just a couple of seconds. What's up? Six of the largest producers, publicly traded oil companies, were more than $70 billion. That's $70 billion in just one quarter, 90 days, $70 billion. So far, American oil companies are using that windfall, oh. the windfall of profits, to buy back their own stock, yep. passing that money on to their shareholders, not to consumers. This is really interesting. In fact, a guy who's never worked a real job in his life is lecturing private industry on how they should be doing their job. He has no clue whatsoever. None. Zero. What is he doing now? He's tapping into the Strategic Petroleum Reserve again before the midterms. Uh, this is not for political purposes, that SPR. It's for genuine emergencies like wars, wars that we are fighting. Wow, and here he is lying all over again. And he does not know. He does not know private industry. One more time. And pain is the pump. Here's another thing. Oh. When the cost of oil comes down, we should see the price of the gas station at the pump come down as well. That's how it's supposed to work. But that's not what's happening. In the past two weeks, the price of oil has fallen $4 a barrel. And you think, and thanks in large part to the steps we've taken this year, the price of oil has fallen nearly $40 a barrel since mid-June. That's a 30% drop in the price of a barrel right, of oil. Enough, enough. You know what? I remember when they used to say, uh, sometimes anchors would jump in and say, they're lying, I can't allow this to happen. Uh, well, he's lying nonstop. These days, he's always lying. And also, it's just not that interesting. I didn't like it when they did it back then, but I'm going to do it now. And we don't take these press conferences all day long. He's just passing the time. You know, his days are numbered. His days are numbered, and so are the Democrats. They are going to be voted out in spectacular fashion. Oh, wait a second. These, All right, so these Trump tapes. Tell me, are you shocked? Are you shocked? You get ready. Get ready. Get ready to be blown away. Hey, what happened to them, by the way? Uh, give me the first one. You got it? No, 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 no. Oh, brother. Um, ah, sorry about that, folks. Uh, cut 48. This is Donald Trump unvarnished, profane, blunt. Uh, he trashes people he doesn't like. He boasts about himself. And he shares with Woodward documents. This is Donald Trump unvarnished. All right, good, good, good. Like we've never heard him boast before. We, we, all right, all right. So here's here's here it is, right? Here's the heavy duty stuff. Here he is. Cut forty nine. Starting oh, with God. those now infamous love letters from Kim Jong Un, you hear him handing them over to Bob Woodward in real time, <gasps> and listen to what he says. Nobody else has them, but I want you to treat them with respect. I haven't. I understand. Them and don't say I gave them to you, okay? Okay. I've... But I think it's okay. Normally, I wouldn't have given... I wasn't going to give them to Bob, you know. Would you make a photo stat of them or something? No, I dictated them into a tape recorder. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't know which part I like better that Trump still talks about, you know, the photo stat or that oh. Bob is dictating. 
But but listen to that one line. Don't say I gave them to you. Okay. It's it's a classic example of as Woodward says in the audiobook how casual, how dangerous, how cavalier Trump is with So what? He's allowed to give he's helping the guy. He's helping the guy. You're telling me the federal government doesn't share secrets with reporters? And by the way, this wasn't a secret. This is the letter from Kim Jong-un. He was talking about it all over the world. I got a beautiful letter from Kim Jong-un. There's nothing wrong with that. And this is how Bob Woodward made his career. People telling him stuff. People showing him stuff. Remember I was telling you about All the President's Men, uh, the phony book, and then later the phony movie? Starring Robert Redford as uh, Bob Woodward and Dustin Hoffman as Carl Bernstein. And um, I don't know if it's Ned Beatty. I think it's Ned Beatty in this scene. He's playing, um, he's playing a, uh, a Florida state official of some kind. And the Washington Post wants what he has. You'll hear Dustin Hoffman's voice. I think he can recognize it. And then the guy just says, look, uh, I'm going to give you this stuff, but don't tell, him, don't tell anybody I gave it to you. It happens all the time. Cut 50. Do you want to see Mr. Barker's phone records and, and his money records? You told me on telephone. I came down and you showed me everything you got on Barker. That's all I want. Well, that's what I've got. Well, that's fine. Okay, you and I are going to have to have an agreement that you're not going to reveal the source of your information. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> it happens all the time. But when the president asks for it, it must be crazy. No, it's not crazy. You know, Bob Woodward goes around calling himself like the number one journalist. In he is a liar, by the way. I know he is. The deep throat stuff. He lied about uh, William Casey on the deathbed there. Oh, he told, he told me everything just before he died. It was snowing outside. He, no, he didn't. I heard that from um, his own daughter, by the way, told me about what a phony job that was back in 1987. William Casey is about to die, yet he tells Bob Woodward, Reagan knew about the Iran-Contra diversion. It was all his idea. No, he, nothing, nothing, nothing. He's always manipulating people who are very close to death, Bob Woodward. You can look it up, actually. Uh, he did it to William Casey. You know who he was? Great New Yorker, by the way. Um, CIA director, major league uh, mover and shaker, and a great man. I think he was a CIA veteran in the... Uh, he worked in the CIA, the OSS, during World War II. He's from Long Island, went to St. John's. Great guy. And helped get Reagan elected. Uh, all right, let me play the next one. Is there another one? Uh, cut 51. As an example, this is an exchange when Woodward asked Trump, where do you get your ideas for your speeches? Did somebody help you? Yeah, I get I get people. They come up with ideas, but the ideas are mine, Bob. Uh, I, mine. And then, know something? Everything's mine. Classic Trump. Every everything is is mine. And look, Trump loves it. You hear this over and over. There are certain words. Everything is cool. He loves it when foreign leaders call him tough, and he never stops boasting about how he took on North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. Why not? I thought it was pretty cool when he took on Kim Jong-un. Remember that? Kim Jong-un was getting a little carried away, firing off those missiles, and he said if he keeps it up, he will know fire and fury like the world has never seen. 
and a couple of months, what happened? They were friends. Everybody in the State Department said, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. Well, I just did it. I just made friends with an enemy. Isn't that what you're supposed to do with enemies? And for a long time, we had peace. We had peace. We had a subdued North Korea who was playing by the rules, pretty much. And now they're uh, running around like crazy, like crazy. Hey, there's a 40% chance I hear, 40% chance that um, Putin is going to use a nuclear bomb on Ukraine. I'm hearing this from people in the know, very much in the know. This is what they're talking about in government right now. 40% chance. That is a... that's way too high for me. I don't have time. I don't want to. I don't want nothing with this nuclear stuff. I don't want anything with this nuclear stuff. We can't have it. Such a beautiful day outside. It's going to ruin everything. It really is. All right. I know. I know. There are lots of other reasons to not want nuclear. You know, uh, with women and children and innocent, the non-combatants, the radiation. It's going to screw up the world for a hundred years, and it's going to screw up my life and yours. And Joe Biden helped facilitate all of this. And you know what? That guy is so crazy. Joe, I wonder. I wonder what he really wants at this point. I don't know. I don't know. There he was telling the fundraising crowd, we're close to nuclear Armageddon. Does he want that? I mean, let's face it. I guess that would take the midterms. It would make the midterms seem like not a big deal. All right. So that was the daytime version of uh, the Cooper, the... um, What do you call it? The Trump tapes and Bob Woodward. Then they save the real heavy-duty stuff for prime time with Anderson Cooper. You ready? Now, this is this. If you thought that stuff was bad about President Trump bragging and boasting, cut fifty-seven. It's rare for a president of the United States to be the guy in the bar bragging about how big his weapon system is. Right. You know, I mean, there are plenty (laughs) of presidents who have big weapon systems. Yeah, but you remember, you and not bragging about it. Um, you'd like to have <laughs> that guy's really desperate to get in with a joke. I wonder what he said. Uh, well, what's next? Cut 58. Audio recorded by investigative reporter and author Bob Woodward of the former president. CNN has obtained a copy and what you'll hear tonight is striking. Uh-huh. It speaks to who he was as president, who he is as a person and how completely intertwined the personal and presidential were for him. Just and play the tape. are. Something that's not just apparent in what he says, but even more so in how he says it. Something the printed word just can't fully convey. The conversations convey. also speak directly to some of what the former president is now being investigated for. <laughs> namely, Excuse me. how he views classified material and a president's Shut responsibility. Shut up, Anderson. He's like Bob Costas. deepest secrets. And that's why these conversations, which have never been heard before, are so significant. All right. I, when I asked for these things to be cut, I didn't want Anderson Cooper. I wanted Trump. Here we go. 59. Okay, this is it. Here it is. 59. Trump speaks. I have built a weapon system that nobody's ever had in this country before. We have stuff that you haven't even seen or heard about. We have stuff that Putin and she have never heard about before. Getting along with Russia is a good thing, not a bad thing, all right? Especially because they have 1,332 nuclear warheads. It's funny, the, the relationships I have, the tougher and meaner they are, the better I get along with them. You'll explain that to me someday, okay? But maybe it's not a bad thing. The easy ones are the ones that maybe don't like as much or don't get along with as much. I, 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 I guess I'm supposed to be outraged and nervous. I'm neither. I, I would hope that we have stuff that's, uh, you know, really bad and lethal and that the enemy hasn't heard about. 
Trump didn't give anything away. We all kind of intuitively know that we got secret stuff. Of course we do. <laughs> you supposed to pretend we don't? It's fine. Totally fine. Now, let me see. Is there more? All right. Is this going to blow us away? Let's see. Cut 60. There's nobody that's tougher than me. Nobody's tougher than me. You ask me about impeachment. I'm under impeachment. And you said, you know, you just act like you just won. The f- Nixon was in a corner with his thumb in his mouth. Yeah. Bill Clinton took it very, very hard. I just do things, okay? <laughs> Nixon was in a corner with a thumb in his mouth. Come on. Uh, Nixon was tougher, but he was brutalized and uh, brutalized by the process. And actually, I don't know if I actually I think he may be wrong about that. I don't think he was technically impeached. They passed the articles of impeachment in the in the committee, but I don't think it ever made it to the floor. Um, all right. Again, this is just a, this That's just history to me. They're really trying to freak us out with this. It doesn't work. Sorry. Cut. Like they just can't stand it that he is not beholden to them. A lot of it is also this. These folks do not, a lot of them, not all of them, I don't know what Anderson Cooper's situation is. I have no idea about his relationship to God or lack thereof or whatever. People make their own choices. and But a lot of the folks in Washington, a lot of the political press corps, this is their religion. You know, they didn't have perhaps strong father figures, male figures in their lives. So they want the president to be perfect. And when the president is not perfect, it's like, oh, my God, can you believe it? Can you believe the way he talked? Can you believe he said that? <gasps> because they they have this weird, innate kind of craving and desire for some sort of father figure to be totally perfect. Does that sound crazy? It's not. I'm onto something. In fact, I think I better write these brilliant thoughts down. Give me a moment. I'll be back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Seems like a silly thing to do, but uh, I I think it's necessary. Uh, I've been practicing my autograph. Uh, my signature has always been a smudge. It was pretty good, like third, fourth, and fifth grade. You know, I made the G the regular way. Uh, it was pretty good up until I got into the Marine Corps, and then I just got into this habit of initialing it, and it just looked like a scrawl. I was, you want to get that receipt, you know, when they make you sign something, even if you buy a pack of gum with a credit card, they make you sign for it. And uh, I just started like really just making an X. It's basically an X. So my new book is coming out in January. Um, Justice for All, How the Woke Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, published by Simon & Schuster, by the way. Pre-order any way you like. It's available on Amazon right now, pre-orders. So uh, I'm, I'm practicing... I'm practicing my autograph. I actually I am going to be signing a lot of books, and I want it to look cool, and I want it to be consistent. And I was really struggling. I, 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 I Googled it. I got some ideas. How do you make a cool-looking G? How do you do this? How do you do that? And then I, I started, and they say you're supposed to do it hundreds of times. I did it a couple of dozen times. Then I got bored. I did it again 
20, 50, 20 or 30 times. And then I put it down. And then a week later, it was hard I, to, to do a new signature. Now it's automatic. You can do anything with a little bit of practice. You really can. Somebody told me today, Charles Stanley actually said, uh, you know, every big achievement is just a bunch of little achievements put together. It doesn't really have anything to do with autographs, but if you're trying to lose weight, make money, uh, save money. And, um, you know, I heard a speech from Paul Newman today in The Verdict. He says, you know, sometimes we're just lost and we ask God, what do you want us to do? Well, he told us a lot of what he wants us to do. And we can get that conversation going. Anybody, anytime, uh, right there in the, um, it's all in the Bible, and miracles start happening really, really fast. Uh, Peter in New Jersey, hello. Hello, Craig. How are you doing? Fine. I'm calling, I'm calling in regards to Tinchenko, uh how he got off uh, yeah. lying to the FBI. Right. Isn't this the same FBI that gave him a million dollars to produce phony dossier? Uh, I think it offered it offered it offered Steele. They offered Steele a million dollars. Didn't actually happen. I am incredibly disappointed by the verdict. Danchenko to me is low hanging fruit. I want to see Comey indicted. I want to see Strzok indicted. I want to see McCabe indicted. I want to see John Brennan indicted. I want to see possibly, you know, what was Obama's role in all this? Biden's. Uh, I had uh, Joe DeGeneva on last night. We spoke about it. He's uh, He thinks Durham is a good lawyer, but he should have indicted the FBI. He could have. He could have sued the FBI. There are other options and. I'm disappointed so far. Very disappointed, but uh, we're we're going to have justice. Uh, John in Queens, yes. Good mm. afternoon, Greg. A pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. I'd like to say that uh, you know you're holding Trump to such a high standard. He doesn't speak presidential. He doesn't act presidential. Hey, wait a second. You said I'm holding him to a high standard. I love the guy. No, I love all this stuff. You mean the the others? I yeah. Love I love him too. The press is holding him to. They, they don't hold Biden to the same standard. The guy mumbles and stumbles, and, and it's all forgiven. Yeah, I know. Crazy, right? Totally unfair. Totally unfair. So, uh, uh, unbelievable. How do they, uh, you know, but, but the American people see right through it, and they're about to hear from us all in a very big way uh, in a little less than three weeks. Thank you. Let's go with Cheech. Cheech in Howard Beach. Colonel. Thank you for taking my call. Listen, I'm calling about these tents. You know, our sanctuary city is running out of space here. But the great sanctuary state of New York still has plenty of room. I'm disappointed with uh, that not-in-my-backyard attitude of those folks in Orchard Beach and Martha's Vineyard. And I hope that Governors DeSantis and Abbott are listening to this because at the eastern end of Long Island— there's plenty of room after Labor Day weekend, like Shelter Island, uh, 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 Sag Harbor, and the Hamptons. Those those hotels, they're empty. So, you know, if they send them up to— Hey, wait uh, a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The mayor of uh, Southampton was not bragging about Southampton being a sanctuary city. Eric Adams was. de Blasio was. And they were rearranging policies, okay? I'm not going to— you know. It's not. No, I don't like your idea at all. Uh, it's Adams. Adams was daring him, egging him on. All right. And this is a national problem. Where do you live? 
Howard Beach? Howard, Howard Beach. We got our problems there. Yeah, I know, but I don't want them in the Hamptons. I like the Hamptons. Well, I want to keep it the Hamptons the way it is. And oh, by the way, again, look it up. These are people who live out there, real people, okay? They didn't ask for this problem. New Yorkers did. Look at the way New York votes. Suffolk County, I believe, went with Trump. All right? Not New York City. And not Eric Adams, again, with the boasting and the bragging. All right. Give me a moment. Uh, That was good. Ooh, I got to do something on Twitter. At Greg Kelly USA, if you get a chance. Greg Kelly. Entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, is it foolish to be uh, practicing my autograph for my new book, which is coming out? I don't think so. I had the silliest kind of most fourth grade signature, and now it actually looks like something uh, pretty damn cool. I remember, where, where was that Yankee I saw when I was a kid? Oh, Catfish. Catfish Hunter. He came to Bloomingdale's in Garden City to sign autographs. And he just sat there like a machine, signing autographs, signing autographs, signing autographs. I remember when I got it. And... He was pretty gruff, too. No, nothing again. I mean, he had 500,000 kids there waiting to see him. and um, But he just sat there. He, he didn't say hi to anybody. Just signing, signing, signing. And I remember getting it. You couldn't tell what the hell he wrote. It was cool, though. It was like, you know, and, and, and I, I wanted something like that. So I think I've got something like that. I'll be putting it up on Twitter in a moment. Uh, hey, Marco Rubio. Uh, just so you know, he's up for re-election. He was terrific. Marco Rubio, not the biggest fan in the world, but uh, where's that? Uh, I don't know if I want to do any of these. These aren't his good moments. These aren't his good moments. When she says, I don't know what makes you a national security expert. You don't know anything about the world. And he's like, well, I was the uh, chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. I, I'm uh, a vice chair of the uh, Foreign Relations Committee. And everybody started to kind of chuckle and, and Val Demings. A lot of these debates are getting pretty intense, by the way. Um, in the old days, if you accused your opponent of lying, that was like beyond the pale. Uh, you, you were not supposed to do that. Where is, um, uh, I, I think I was Bob Dole in 19, when was that? 1988? Yeah, here it is actually. Cut 31. Listen to what he said. This was like, this undid his campaign. He's running for president against George H.W. Bush. And Bush is sitting there, right there, and Dole is on a satellite feed. And listen to what he says, cut 31. And Senator Dole, is there anything you'd like to say to the vice president? Yeah, stop lying about my record. Ooh, stop lying about my record. Now, back then, that was just, I mean, you you don't say such things. It's just, no, you can't say anything like that. And now uh, uh, people say that all the time. Cut 30, please. Cut 30. If, he, if I may respond, because he actually lied there. We will see time and time again tonight, as we've already seen, that my opponent has a problem with the truth. You know, these are conspiracies and lies that have no place in our democracy. Mrs. Dixon is either woefully underinformed about the office she's running for, or she's lying to you. Two questions, two lies uh, from J.D., all right. <laughs> See, it's just it's a very, very commonplace. Now, there are a lot of liars out there, and I think it's totally OK to call them that. But times have changed. Bob Dole uh, said that. I'm sure he believed that it probably was happening. But you weren't supposed to say it. You were never supposed to say it. Um, hey, I don't know if you saw my show last night. And actually, we talked about this yesterday, but uh, the egomaniac, narcissist, dummy, Eric Adams, 
speaking in this manner in public is absolutely disgusting. He does not know anything about public service, about government. All he knows is how to run around and try to gain attention. And for a long time, it didn't matter because he, well, he was just, he was nobody. He was nobody. And through that crazy rank choice voting, again, 200,000 people on the last day of school, this guy's the mayor. He thinks he's the emperor. No, you're a very, very weak and stupid public official. A public servant. Does this sound like anybody who's interested in service? Hmm? Cut 32. I don't know why people think the response to a problem is allowing someone else to handle the problem. No, I want the problem. I want the problem of the generational dysfunction of Rikers. I want it. I don't want someone else to handle a problem of New York City. The problems that we have, I was elected to resolve them. And so I want the problem of Rikers Island. I want to fix Rikers Island. So all those who are saying that my correction officers are not capable of doing it, all those who are saying, you know, have others come in to handle our education, to handle this, to handle that, to handle that, all I can say to them, don't ever run for mayor because of your solution to solving the problems of this city is to find other people to fix them, then you should never be the mayor of the city of New York. Mayor Adams want the problems because I was elected to fix them. How stupid can you get? I mean, literally, how stupid can you be? Eric has been a, he's attended no-show jobs. Brooklyn Borough president. Essentially a no-show job. No authority whatsoever. Just run around handing out brochures. Look at me, look at me. I'm doing stuff, I'm doing stuff. Look at me, look at me. Here I am, here I am. Look at me. State senator. What was he known for there? I deserve a raise. Running around the police department, not not fighting crime. Just trying to get his friends jobs. Really trying to hook up people he knew. If you give this guy a job, I won't say you're a racist. That kind of stuff. And, um, you know, humility. What about humility? You want to hear some humility? I didn't really like Lyndon Johnson, what I know about him. He was a pretty ruthless, mean, nasty guy. Uh, But in his moment of truth, when he has that awesome responsibility thrust upon him, when he becomes president, uh, this is the night that John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Listen to this. Lyndon Johnson, President Johnson, cut 34. I will do my best. That is all I can do. I ask for your help and God's. What a beautiful thing to say. I ask for your help and God's. And meanwhile, we got Eric there. <laughs> I'm the I'm the mayor. I don't know why people think the response to a problem is allowing someone else to handle the problem. No. I want the problem. I want the problem of the generational dysfunction of Rikers. I want it. I don't want someone else to handle a problem of New York City. The problems that we have, I was elected to resolve them. 
And so I want the problem of Rikers Island. I want to fix Rikers Island. So all those who are saying that my correction officers are not capable of doing it, all those who are saying, you know, have others come in to handle our education, to handle this, to handle that, to handle that. All I can say to them, don't ever run for mayor because of your solution to solving the problems of this city is to find other people to fix them, then you should never be the mayor of the city of New York. Mayor Adams wants the problems because I was elected to fix them. So when I run for mayor and beat this guy, do you think I'm going to beat him by single digits or double digits? What do you think it's going to be? By the way, I took out a notebook the other day. I wrote down the name of 50 people, names of 50 people, 50 people, some I know personally, some I've never even met, people who I would want to bring into city government. Absolutely. Education. I've got about six people who would be outstanding chancellors, schools chancellors. All right. What did this guy do? He went to his buddies. He went to his buddies, his buddies, his cronies. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. Although I will say this, I don't mind that Banks guy too much over there at schools. But uh, but the rest, it's it's <laughs> single digits or double digits. What do you think? Um, all right. So, uh, oh, remember, Kathy's not debating. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? Hey, keep your eye on um, well, all the Republicans are going to do very well. My favorite, one of my favorites in the world is Carrie Lake, a 27. Let's talk about election deniers. Here's 150 examples of Democrats denying election results. It's okay for Democrats to question elections, but it's not okay for Republicans. It's a crock of BS. Every one of you knows it. We have our freedom of speech, and we're not going to relinquish it to a bunch of fake news propagandists. I love it. I love it. Every one of you, every one of us knows it. It's true. They can talk about January 6th. They can run around with this woke stuff. We know it's crap. They can get away with it. You know, don't underestimate the authority of the squad, not in our lives, but in the lives of people like Joe Biden, Ron Klain, these women, young women, uh, particularly, not always, but particularly women of color um, and some white women who are crazy woke leftist. Uh, You'd be surprised. Middle-aged to older men are so afraid. They're so afraid. If they get angry, if they, you know, like the, remember all the, the, the hissy fit they threw over Kavanaugh? They actually intimidated, physically intimidated Jeff Flake. I knew he was a bad, even with that name, Flake. <laughs> he was a senator from Arizona and he changes his vote, votes against Kavanaugh. Remember that? Because he was intimidated by these 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 women who were yelling their heads off. White women, Asian women, black women, didn't matter. They're just young, radical women. But when I say women, I'm talking about the squad. Because there is a an extra level of moral authority. And not with me, by the way. I don't care what the hell you look like. I don't care what the hell your gender is. It's the it's the it's the substance. It's the idea. But there's a lot of folks out there who don't give a damn about that. The substance. Binary, non-binary, Latinx, all that crap, all those labels. Hey, by the way, George Floyd's family, they're getting pretty greedy. They're getting pretty greedy here. I think they're taking a page out of, uh, you know, Alex Jones just got into some major financial trouble for the stuff he said about uh, Sandy, 
the Sandy Hook shootings, which seemed pretty terrible, telling the telling people that the parents were somehow involved. Obviously, that's disgusting. He did apologize. I think he actually thought that for a while. I don't think he believes it anymore. But he's in for about a billion dollars anyway. George George Floyd's family they want to sue Kanye West. What what's what claim would they have against Kanye West? Well. They're saying that Kanye has uh, hurt their feelings because he's been out there saying things about George Floyd, like maybe he died of fentanyl poisoning, which he did, by the way. He, he did. Uh, he wasn't suffocated. You can look it up. I'm sorry. I know. That, that video looked crazy bad to me, too. But then you got to find some facts. You got to look things up. I always wondered, why was that officer, Derek Chauvin, so calm? What the hell's going on? What's wrong with you? Well, he was using a maneuver that was authorized by, guess what, the Minneapolis Police Department. It was right there in their training manual. Described how you can put a knee on someone's neck to subdue them. Um, I don't think that should be there. I also do know that the guy was breathing And he seemed to be monitoring the pressure on the neck. I mean, you can't talk if you can't breathe. And the guy was talking. Uh, He had enough fentanyl in him to kill him. He had COVID. He had comorbidities. He was uh, crazy high uh, on drugs. He had a panic attack in the back of the vehicle. They put him in the police car first. Nobody ever tells you this, but it's true. Guy tried to pass a counterfeit $20 bill, we think, Whatever. The cops were called. They arrest him. They also think he's drunk, by the way, so that he's about to get into a car and drive away. They don't want that, so they put him in the cuffs. He starts panicking, panicking, panicking. They put him in the back of the police car. He's really, then he really starts to panic, and he says, put me on the ground, put me on the ground, put me on the ground, put me on the ground. So they take mercy on him, and they put him on the ground. That was not, (laughs) he started off in the police car. They were trying to help him, actually, at one point. A lot of that stuff has been, I believe misrepresented. I don't. I know we don't have the full story. I know I've seen the coroner's report, the first one that said, I think it explicitly said, no evidence of asphyxia. You could watch NBC Nightly News for the rest of your life. They'll never acknowledge that. They'll never acknowledge why. What's in it for them? What is in it for them? Give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And the promise I make to all New Yorkers, right here and right now, I will fight like hell for you every single day, like I've always done and always will. All right. How about that, huh? Yeah, sure. Right, right, right. Wrong. Uh, hi, honey. How you doing over there? I'm okay. I lost my voice. Why, why are you trying to sound like a Southern girl? What? I don't know. I guess I'm trying something new. All right. May I, is that for me? No, no, it's okay. No, 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 no. That's yours. It's empty anyway. She comes in with lunch. I insist that she doesn't, but she does, even when she's sick. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Boy, oh boy. Uh, I don't want to say she's a micromanager, <sighs> darling. Oh, she's a bit of a micromanager. I love you. <sighs> she brings my lunch every day. How do you guys feel about that? Is that like, do you guys like, is that, what do you think? What do you, what does she think about it? Don't you think it's a little bit like I'm in fourth grade or something like that, right? 
<laughs> it's right. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I have a thing about you know looking like I'm uh, anyone's in grammar school. You know, I'm I'm a big boy now, but I do love it. What did she bring this time? Soup, and uh, actually, she brings it's more dinner than than lunch. And there's some coleslaw in there, and there's some other goodies. I know. All right, it's it is nice, but sometimes uh, I feel a little bit. All right, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Uh, what do you think, Joe? Hi, Joe. Joe's in the Bronx. What's going on? Hey, Greg. Thanks for taking the call. Um, I think that the Supreme Court, for some reason, is trying to sabotage the election because why now, all of a sudden, bring up Roe versus Wade? Why would you give the Democrats right before the elections this ammunition? Why would they do that? Like, right before the primaries. I don't understand it. Well, number one, I don't care in a way. Yes, I know. There are people who are wringing their hands. Oh, God, this couldn't happen at a worse time. Look, the Dobbs decision came forward. Roe v. Wade was totally flawed. The justices were there. And it was flawed. I mean, I think it's the 14th Amendment. Something said that it, they said that abortion, well, how does it work again? Under the 14th Amendment, you... They cited the 14th Amendment, meaning that abortion, this is the Roe decision, abortion could be legalized because it was part of our history and culture. And that's where even people like Ruth Bader Ginsburg had to say, it's not, and that's why it's flawed, and that's why you know we're, we're vulnerable here. Because clearly it isn't. It was always extreme and unpopular. Now, have you noticed anything about abortion? They're still jumping up and down and screaming about it. Did you see the Harvard-Ipsos poll the other day? Something like 5% of the people care about that as an issue. 5%. They know they know that if you really want an abortion, you'll still be able to get it, especially here in New York, okay? What's his name? Zeldin came out and said, I would not and I cannot change that law. Can't do it politically. You know, is it, is it ideal? Probably not to be having this conversation, but uh, I think it's ideal to save babies' lives. Joe, what do you think? I, I agree 100%, but my point is the timing is, is off. But, Joe, number one, it happened back in April, right? May? So it's kind of faded away, and people kind of know, hey, it's one thing to be pro-choice, but the Democrats are coming off as pro-abortion. we got to take our victories when we get them. Thank you, Joe. I'll be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, uh, there's a new book out there about Rudy Giuliani. It's a hit job by Andrew Kurtzman, Andrew Kurtzman, um, who wrote another book about Rudy Giuliani. You know, people forget, I'll tell you, when Giuliani left as mayor, you'll remember, man of the year, Time Magazine. He had accomplished so much. He had saved so many lives. And people forget now, but the climate in the city, the mainstream media, you know what they were saying? Like, they were really bad-mouthing Bloomberg. Like, there's no way Bloomberg's going to be able to keep the city as safe as Rudy. No way. No way. From The New York Times is writing this kind of stuff. All of them. And um, what happened? Bloomberg came in. Ray Kelly came in. And they brought crime even lower. And they had the added challenge of handling terrorism. And they thwarted something like a dozen or so, 16 attacks. I mean, 16 active Plots, serious plots. They try to blow up the Brooklyn Bridge, thwarted by the NYPD. 
NYPD built this amazing intelligence apparatus with officers overseas and listening posts. And it was, quite frankly, it was more um, capable than the FBI. Uh, Had more resources than the Central Intelligence Agency. There are more Arabic and Urdu and Pashto speakers with the NYPD than at the CIA. Can you believe that? It's really incredible what they did. Um, You know, the only thing that Rudy Giuliani did that kind of how he fell out of favor was getting mixed up with Trump. And I'm glad he did. I'm actually I'm very glad he did. Yes, they came after him. He lost uh, he lost the mainstream media. He lost the Maggie Habermans. He lost the Clyde Habermans, everybody who was sucking up to him for so long. They turned on him. And this book looks like a phony baloney hit job to me. Um, I will read it and debunk it. That's my new hobby. I love doing it, by the way. It's really fun. I don't know. You know, I wrote a book myself. Like, you sweat the details. You sweat the small stuff. You gotta. You can't just let anything in there. Every little word, you gotta check. And I can't believe the mistakes that are making it. Who's that guy? Uh, Michael Leibovich? Mark Leibovich. He writes for the New York Times. An outright liar. I don't know what year he thinks this is. He summarizes the event, election night, 2016, when Trump is on the stage there, you know, gives the victory speech. He won. He describes a totally different event, and he thinks that he's the only one who saw it, and we got to rely on his description. It's like Trump barked at his staff and yelled at Reince Priebus and humiliated him and grabbed his head and smashed it into the podium. He said all this outlandish stuff, and then you actually watch it. It's like, wait a second, that's a beautiful moment. He invited Reince Priebus up, congratulated him. Reince congratulated the president. It's a beautiful moment. And Reince went running away, humiliated and defeated. What are you talking about? Are you on drugs? Uh, or maybe it's they, 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 they need a drug to cure themselves of Trump derangement syndrome. You know, Trump, uh, I'm sorry, Biden just spoke about the strategic petroleum reserve they're dipping into it again as an artificial way to lower gas prices and that career government employee is lecturing big oil about how to do business right lecturing them you know they would love to get the prices down you know this has this has hurt demand people are canceling trips people are not getting in their cars like they used to because gas prices are so high they want the prices to come down and joe is just ordering gas stations to do it just do it he doesn't know how anything works. Um, he created it and uh, just, hey, once again, when's the last time he talked about crime? When is, it's the number one issue in America. When is the last time? The last time I know of was, I believe, in February. Now, how many months ago is that? Six? Is that six months? Seven? Eight? Eight? Eight months ago. Eight months ago. And you know what he said? Why the hell are. Cops responding when people jump off a bridge. Why? We shouldn't, they shouldn't be there. There should be social workers. Well, you know what happens. Sometimes these guys change their mind. And then they, have, they want to come off the bridge. And then what? As a social worker. All right. The guy doesn't want to kill himself anymore. What's the social worker going to do then? Is he going to rappel down the side of the bridge to rescue the guy? No. You need a cop to do that. You need emergency services. The SWAT team, they do that kind of stuff. They save people's lives at risk to their own lives. So 
What do you think is going to happen? The cops are just going to show up, guns blazing. And, oh, by the way, some of these people who jump off a bridge and, you know, the cops come and people try to talk them out of it, guess what? They get angry and they try to take people with them. They try to, it's happened before. You can't just have any uh, <laughs> social worker do that. A lot, of, uh, a lot of cluelessness in power right now. But not for long, folks. Not for long. Hey, uh, oh, here's that thing about Joe Biden hitting on girls. Did you see my series on this? Um, he says this all the time. No serious guys until you're 30. What does that actually mean? Cut 36, please. Joe Biden telling every young girl he sees this horrible, weird, inappropriate advice. Cut 36. How old are you? Just remember, no dates till you're 30. <laughs> you're turning 11. You're beautiful. Just remember, no dates till you're 30. Just remember, no dates till you're 30. Hey, Mia, how old are you? I tell you what, and how old are you? Nine. Nine years old. The only thing I want you girls to remember, no serious guys till you're 30 years old. <laughs> uh, now he's, it's, I, I don't understand what that means. Don't, you know, Joe Biden got married when he was 24 years old. 24 years old. Is he saying he regrets getting married? What's going on with that? What, 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 like, what's wrong with having a you want to you want to run around New York City as a meeting all the toxic bachelors out there? If you find a nice guy, hey, who was that lady a couple of years ago who said that women should go to college with the objective in mind of finding a mate, finding a man? And everybody was outraged. Oh, how could you? That's ridiculous nonsense. Don't you know? How dare she? But she was she had a point. She's like, you're not going to be around a pool of such eligible men in one place like ever again, <laughs> right? Uh, people who have been vetted, at least the college admissions team vetted them. You don't know what you're meeting when you swipe left and swipe right, right? So she she was on to something. Uh, but Joe Biden is back doing it. He said it just the other day, cut 35. Oh. Ah. I'll let you now, the very important thing I told my daughter and granddaughters, no serious guys in your 30s. Okay. Right? No what? No serious guys in your 30s. I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep that in mind. Now, she, no, no dates, no serious guys. So just sleep around, I guess, right? This is inappropriate. Joe has gotten in trouble for this before. Um, not only the inappropriate con- comments, but touching women, smelling them. This is Lucy Flores back in 2019. She is a Nevada lawmaker. She was running for lieutenant governor a few years earlier when Joe was vice president. And Lucy Flores said that Joe got really gross with her. Uh, Here she is on the Jake Tapper show. Cut 37. Let's go back to that day in November 2014. Uh, The vice president Biden has come to Nevada for a campaign event. You're running for lieutenant governor. You're both backstage waiting to go on stage. What happened next? Well, it happened also suddenly. We, it's, you know, anyone who's ever been at a rally recognizes that there is just chaos. There's a lot of energy that everyone's running back and forth. Um, Eva Longoria was there. We were all lined up next to the stage. Eva was in front of me. Joe Biden was behind me. I'm kind of preparing myself to give these remarks. It's the very last days before the election. And uh, very unexpectedly and out of nowhere, 
I feel Joe Biden put his hands on my shoulders, get up very close to me from behind, lean in, smell my hair, and then plant a slow kiss on the top of my head. Wow, that's weird, man, right? (laughs) That's really weird. You're not supposed to do that. Uh, But he did it, and uh, it looked like he would have to drop out of the race, actually. Everybody was really mad at him. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, You'll hear from um, Mrs. Elizabeth Warren, a bunch of other Democrats. Cut 38. I read the the, uh, op-ed last night, I believe, Lucy Flores, and... Joe Biden needs to give an answer. I believe, um, Lucy Flores, we need to live in a nation where people can hear her truth. I have no reason not to believe Lucy. And, and I think what this speaks to is the need to fundamentally change the culture of this country. They all wanted Joe to drop out. It's a miracle that he survived that. And he had to come out with a groveling apology. Uh, Let's see here. This is him right after that. This is 2019. Hasn't secured the nomination yet. Yeah, does it sound like we I just saw Joe the other day grabbing some lady uh, sniffing her hair. (laughs) But he said he was going to change. Cut 39. Today, I want to talk about gestures of support and encouragement that I've made to women and some men that have made them uncomfortable. And I always tried to be, uh, in my career, I've always tried to make a human connection. That's my responsibility, I think. I shake hands, I hug people, I, I grab men and women by the shoulders and say, you can do this. And, and, uh, and whether they're women, men, young, old, it's, it's the way I've always been. It's the way I've tried to show I care about them and I'm listening. Okay, so... You can't do that anymore, right? Cut 40. Social norms have begun to change. They've shifted. And the boundaries of protecting personal space have been reset. And I get it. I get it. I hear what they're saying. I understand it. And I'll be much more mindful. That's my responsibility. My responsibility, and I'll meet it. And I'll meet it. I'll change. And he said later, it's unthinkable. Do we have the next one? Do you have cut 41? Is that there? Okay, yeah, he keeps going. Go. But I will be more mindful and respectful of people's personal space. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, And here's the unthinkable part. I worked my whole life to empower women. I worked my whole life to prevent abuse. I've written, and, and so the idea that I can't adjust to the fact that personal space is important, more important than it's ever been, is, is, is just not thinkable. I will. I will. It's just unthinkable. It's just unthinkable that he couldn't change. He's back to, so yesterday, oh yeah, it was, I was sitting here. He grabbed that old lady by the shoulders and then by the cheeks and then that young girl held her arm for a ridiculous amount of time. Ever meet somebody like that who won't let go of your hand? Right. I mean, that it is annoying. I don't quite frankly, I'm not a germ freak, but I hate shaking hands these days. I will definitely fist bump unless you're a boss or unless you're somebody very important that I must impress or (laughs) I will shake hands. Uh, But I don't prefer. Yeah, that was the good thing. One of the the only good thing that came from covid. We don't have to shake hands anymore. I thought that was great. I was not opposed to shaking hands, but now I am. It's gross. Not gross, but you know what. I, who needs it? You know why You know why we shake hands? Do you know where that comes from? You know where that custom actually comes from? So back in the cowboy days, 
even way before that, I believe it was to show that you were unarmed. You shook the other guy's hand to show it was a gesture of peace. You see, I have no gun. Uh, that's, it doesn't mean you don't have a gun these days, you know? Uh, John in Whitestone, hello. Hey, uh, hey, Greg, how you doing? I just wanted to tell you, uh, great show as always. I haven't called you in some time, but I just want to tell you how much you rem- your voice reminds me of Regis filming. Regis? you got to be kidding me! That's not true. <laughs> you sound just like him, man. You have the same overtones. Well, I loved Regis. I got to know him uh, a bit. I saw, I met him several times, and he actually gave me some advice once. I had a lunch with him, and I saw him only a few weeks before. He was a great man. And if you really want a nice, fun book about the ups and downs of life, oh, what's it called again? I got it in my, I got it right here on my phone. Is this my story? The Regis Philbin autobiography. It's very good. He talks about, you know, Regis was once out of work for a couple of years. And he had this job all lined up. He thought everything was going to go right. He went to Chicago, and uh, he didn't get it. And he drove down to Notre Dame because Notre Dame, his college, it always made him feel better when he was there. And uh, he was really, you know, he just didn't know what was going to happen to him. God took care of him, and he became, obviously, again, household name famous. He had been famous earlier in his career. Then it happened all over again. Uh, you know, he grew up in Mineola. I didn't know that until recently. So, And he was in the Navy. My dad listened to him when he was in the Marine Corps. They really connected over that. My father would listen to Regis Philbin when he was a local DJ in San Diego. My dad was at Camp Pendleton. And back in the 80s when they first met, uh, Regis was so impressed because my dad could quote the show and knew all this stuff about him. Ah, here we go. Regis Philbin, How I Got This Way. It is a fun book and an interesting book. And a lot of little life lessons there. I think you'd enjoy it. Uh, thank you for the compliment, by the way, John. You're welcome. You have great pronunciation. Regis had great command of uh, the English language, and you have the same the same overtone as well. Hmm. Just keep up the good work. I got to go to Florida. I'm going down to Florida now. For good? Greg, I'll talk to you. What? For good? I'm trying to. I'm trying to. We're trying to shut down the business here because we've lost so much work. And my dad is in Florida doing some real estate. My brother's in Greece. I understand. I understand. Just keep in mind, Zeldin could win this thing, and a lot could change. John, thank you. Keep in touch. Uh, Great guy. What a nice thing to say. Uh, Give me a moment. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Heard about this. The breaking news. The NHL, the National Hockey League, is 84% white, and that apparently is a problem. Uh, Let's see. The NHL, for the first time, has done an internal demographic study of its staff and 32 teams, and the results show that hockey has a lot of work to do to increase diversity at all levels. Why? The report released Tuesday found that 83.6% of the NHL's workforce is white and that men make up nearly 62% of the total based on 4,200 people who participated in a voluntary and anonymous survey. About 67% of all employees. Couldn't they just go around counting if they were really into this themselves? They had to get a survey. That nearly mirrors the situation on the ice, where more than 90% of the players and nearly all coaches and officials are white. The whole purpose behind doing a workforce study is to provide a baseline, a fact-based baseline so that you can begin to develop very intentional and specific strategies around where you need to hire, how you need to hire, 
how you need to improve your brand, said Kim Davis, the NHL's executive vice president of Social Impact. Hey, here's something. I'm not the biggest hockey fan. Uh, Why don't you stop the fights? All right? Guys are killing themselves. Guys are killing themselves in these fights. You're worried. You really want to talk about race and hockey? All right. Let's just go back to the history of hockey. Where does it start? I think it started in rural Canada and northern Europe. Where? Around little ponds that would freeze over. And I think the, in, the Native American population may have had something to do with it. Whatever. It is naturally progressed the way it is. Um, a lot of Hockey is more popular in rural areas than in urban centers as far as playing it. I think that might have something to do with it. It's not like anybody is keeping them out, keeping them. By them, I mean people of color. All right? It's not like you have the talent, but you can't play because you are a person of color. If you have the talent, you can play. Like basketball, right? What's basketball? I think it's 73 or 75% black. Are they discriminating against white people? Of course not. (laughs) All right. (laughs) But we have a ways to go. We have a way to go. This is a good start, but there's a ways to go. And this kind of crap will keep Kim Davis in whatever job. What is she? The executive vice president of social impact. Oh, everybody's got one of these people now. All right. Uh, wrapping up. Oh, only a minute left. Very quickly. Sonny, what's up? Yeah, set reply, my friend. I just want to tell you, Greg, I think you have a wonderful, great chance to become the mayor. I mean, you have what it takes. Your background is impeccable. Military, you're smart. You have what it takes. And uh, just one more, I, don't want, I want to make this offer to you. I was a bodyguard and the driver for Nicole Maliotakis on Staten Island. And I'll make that offer to you. I don't charge. So, And, and, and look what happened to her. She became a, a member of Congress. So hopefully hopefully you'll, you'll take my offer. Sonny in Rockland County, we'll, well talk. I'm, I have a house in Staten Island. Too. Oh, good, 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 because I need your vote more than your driving services. But I'm not going to say no. Uh, let's stay in touch. Thank you for that, pal, very much. Uh, Tony in Clifton, yes. I love listening to the stories about your dad and Mayor Giuliani and just a thought, a positive thought for Lee Zeldin, who I really believe is going to win. His campaign, if they include these awesome stories about New York City, New York, before the Dems and all the good things that were done, visuals are great. I just hope he can use those memories that you're talking about to win voters on a positive note. I love it, Tony. I love it. And good luck to Lee Zeldin. I think he can do it if we come out and do it. See you tonight.